Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. The truth is the most convincing story that maps onto reality, and that's why the central narrative is falling apart. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Friday, September 23rd, 2022, the 611th day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. A warm welcome and hello to all of you listening to the podcast on the day of its release. The only way to do that is by becoming a paid subscriber at I'mYourModerator.Substack.com. You can do so for as little as $50 a year or $5 a month, and you'll be supporting me and the work I do and this show as it expands. But if you can't or you don't want to, by all means, continue listening on other platforms for free a couple days after the release. And all I ask is that you share the show with some friends, some families, maybe just figure out the right one and shoot it on over to some redeemable communist if there are any left. And you'll be helping me out that way as well. So I've been talking consistently and talked again yesterday about how the media is trying to prop up all these narratives. There's some way possible that the Democrats can stage this great comeback victory and 
not only overturn all historical trends that say that the new president's party will lose in the midterms. The only time in recent history that hasn't happened was with the Republicans in 2002 in the wake of 9-11. But otherwise, the president's party is going to lose in the House and the Senate, and it's just a matter of how much. Now, all trends everywhere are in our favor, except for, of course, the media and the big tech companies, the systems of power that they can use to exert force in controlling the narrative and controlling what the public actually believes. None of that is happening in reality. In reality, things are only getting worse for them. Now, you think back to 2020, we were told that Donald Trump lost that election by six, six and a half million votes. Joe Biden got 81 million real legal American votes and won, quote unquote, the popular vote, quote unquote. And that means that they have a mandate to govern, except there is no popular vote. That's not a part of our system. We have the Electoral College and we have the Electoral College for a reason. But Joe Biden also just didn't win the popular vote. That was a factor of election fraud. And they had to make the fraud high enough in places like California and other Democrat communist strongholds to give Joe Biden that popular vote win because that makes him seem more legitimate. Okay, maybe there was a little bit of election fraud, but you can't possibly tell me there could have been seven million votes worth of election fraud. Well, hey, commie, that's exactly what I'm telling you. And if you actually understood anything about election fraud, you would know that that not only is possible, but does happen and it happens for a reason. And that reason is to make you think that stupid thing you just said. You see, what they do with their false narratives is when they realize that the false narrative can't stand on its own, that no one's going to believe it, that it's already being disproven. Well, they add on other false narratives that they expect to support the original false narrative. Donald Trump certainly wouldn't have needed them to have committed fraud the size they did to have flipped the election if that fraud were corrected. It could have happened in a few states. It could have happened in Arizona and Georgia. There's only 10 or 11,000 votes in each one of those states that would have had to flip for Donald Trump to have won them. I think Wisconsin was around 20 some odd thousand votes. Michigan and Pennsylvania and Nevada and a few other states they didn't have big margins. It wouldn't have required millions and millions and millions of votes, fraudulent votes, to have flipped that outcome for Joe Biden. It would have taken tens of thousands in particular states. But even in those states, they had far more than tens of thousands, and they did use those millions of votes in other places to prop up the original false narrative, which was that Joe Biden actually won the Electoral College. Oh, you don't believe that Joe Biden won the Electoral College? It's possible that you think Joe Biden actually lost and that fraud carried the day. Well, how about this? Joe Biden also won the popular vote by six and a half or seven million votes. Do you believe us now? Oh, you still don't believe us. Well, then what you're saying is the big lie and you're a domestic terrorist. And they just keep building and building false narrative upon false narrative. The Arizona audit actually showed that Joe Biden won by more 
That's not true at all. It shows hundreds of thousands of questionable votes, hundreds of thousands and an election that was not legally certifiable and should not have been certified. And no one who looks at it and then thinks, were these people responsible in their certification of this election, according to the election laws and the proof of what they're seeing in front of them, which is no chain of custody records, computer manipulations, impossible outcomes, the destruction of evidence. And you can go on and on and on in each and every one of those states. But they push on these narratives and they rely on these narratives because they can't let them go. If they let them go, then people might eventually realize that the Democrats do not represent a majority of this country. And none of the positions supported by the Democrat Communist Party are majority positions in this country. None of it is supported by a majority of this country. They need the fraudulent elections to support the narrative that this is what Americans really believe. But all of that is collapsing. And I've talked about different ways that it is collapsing and tried to draw out examples that should be able to convince any reasonable, rational person that the entire narrative about a Democrat comeback, anything that disputes the red wave is simply nonsense. It is only a narrative meant to sway public opinion and support a fraudulent outcome for these elections. And I understand people say, but the polls, the polls, the polls, it still seems like it's basically a 50-50 country. And yeah, maybe we have an advantage in certain places or on certain issues, but we just can't seem to break that 50-50 country sort of idea. You know, we know that there are really backwards red states that go way Republican, and we know that there are some very progressive blue states that go way, way Democrat. But in the middle, at the end of the day, it's all just 50-50. Well, no, it's not. And the polling evidence does not support that view either. And so I want to share with you some clips from some actual pollsters so you can hear how they break it down and hear for yourself why you're seeing the polling numbers you're seeing. The first is Robert Cahaley from the Trafalgar Group. He was on with Lou Dobbs this morning. You know, in 2016, you had people who were a little hesitant to tell you who they were for. You know, we called them shy Trump voters. They yeah, they've been referred to as, as deplorables and smelly Walmart shoppers and such. And so they didn't want to be judged. And so the social desirability bias kind of led people to not being full, forthright about who they were supporting. By 2020, cancel culture was in full speed and people were just, you know, kind of checking out. They, were, they weren't really taking, they were trying, they didn't want to tell you their opinion. They were, they were kind of, a lot of them were laying out of polls or they were saying undecided uh, and the polls were getting it wrong because the Republicans they were able to get, the ones that really wanted to take a poll were the never Trump Republicans. So they were taking a very small subset of Republicans who were easier to get to participate in the poll and artificially growing their numbers because they were easier to reach. 
2022, I think you have a whole different thing with what Biden has done with uh, going after MAGA Republicans. What I see developing is what I call submerged voters. Uh, these are voters that are just, they are very, very wary about anybody uh, knowing what their position is. Uh, you know, now they're seeing people, whether it's canceled, uh, doxxed, uh, you know, having their house toilet papered, whatever. So they're, they're not putting signs in the yards, they're not putting stickers on their cars, they're not posting their opinions on social media, and they're not taking polls. They are submerged. I mean, they are literally below periscope depth until election day. And nobody's going to have any clue what they're doing. And they're going to be hard, uh, virtually impossible to poll, even for us, because we're not going to have to get them. And so I think they're checking out of these polls. All right. So consider what he's saying here. He's saying that the political environment has gotten so threatening to most people that they do not want to answer pollsters. They do not want to say the no-no words to a stranger on the phone who may or may not be truthfully representing themselves. Kahaley goes on to say a lot of the people they send polls to will call back and try to make sure that it actually is the Trafalgar group that's contacting them before they're willing to have any sort of conversation or interaction. They think that they're being set up. And so these people are not being included in the polls. These are some of the people most committed to voting for Republicans this fall. And they're not only unreachable by mainstream polling outlets, they're essentially unreachable by the Robert Cahaleys of the world. Now, how many people does this represent? I would guess it is millions and millions of people. These are the people in your life, you know, maybe they didn't vote for Trump in 2016, but they did in 2020. People who have been MAGA all the way are a little bit more outspoken by this point in time. But people who have left the Democrat Party behind or people who live in blue cities, maybe in blue states who are MAGA voters, these people, the people they work with, the people they associate with in their social lives, maybe their family members. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to know anything. They don't want to think that someone is MAGA. And, you know, I wish these people would all just stand up for themselves and be outspoken. But if they feel like they can, if they feel their situation is too threatened, you know, if they're concerned about having a job and putting food on the table for their family, I get it. I do understand that stuff. I wish it wasn't like that. I wish people would be brave. I think that they would see that the threat isn't what they imagine it to be. But I understand it. These people are going to show up on Election Day and the Democrats are not going to be prepared for it. And that actually matters quite a lot when it comes to their election fraud system. They make estimates based on what they think they're going to need out of their vote. And of course, this is why they're so concerned with early voting. They want to know as their vote comes in how much more they're going to need to support to offset the Republican vote on Election Day. This is why the early vote is critical. If they don't have that information, then they just simply get destroyed on Election Day. If there's only one day to vote, they can't run their system. They're going to be completely swamped at the polls and it's game over. So they have early voting so that they can prepare. Now, think about these people and think about the fact that surely the communists know 
this effect is active. They know that people are afraid to come out and say these things. And they're fine with that. These people don't bother them because these people don't upset their narrative. They don't influence the narrative at all because they stay silent and don't make themselves known. So our majority is still elusive on some level. People can't even see it within their own communities. They might know other Trump supporters and all of them are silent. You could be in a majority, you know, 10 people around. And six or seven could be with you and voting for Trump. And you wouldn't know it because everyone's scared to say it. If you're around some diehard communists or if you're in a blue city, in a blue state, if your job depends on it, if your social reputation depends on it and people remain silent, they don't realize how powerful the force is on our side and how powerful the momentum is. And they want this. They want people to be disillusioned and demoralized. They hope that these people are in fear. That's why they try to create so much fear. They hope ultimately that these people are afraid of even showing up to the polls. And I imagine they'll try to push things in that direction so that people will become more intimidated of going out and voting. But you need to understand that this effect is real. That's why they do it. These people really do exist and you really can depend on them showing up. We really do have this majority. It's just a lot harder to accept that because for many of us or most of us, we've been influenced by decades of brainwashing that something the television is saying must be true somehow. They must be sort of right. They must be a little right. Well, maybe they're not right about the numbers, but they're right about the trend. And maybe all these young voters are going to show up to vote Democrat based on the abortion issue. But this is Alex Degrassi on War Room this morning. Absolutely. So if we want to look at I think the, the first one we want to look at possibly is looking at the uh, chart with the cost of living candidate as opposed to the abortion candidate. It's a lot of noise in the media and the Democrats. Voters are looking for the candidate that's frankly going to put a check on Joe Biden. That's independence. That's Hispanics. That's even a significant amount of the Democrat electorate. This notion that there's this abortion you know, wave out there is completely false. We talked about the numbers yesterday, Steve, that um, they are doing this because they need to prime the pump among young voters. The least likely voter to go vote is a young voter. The most likely voter to go vote is a voter that believes that and understands that the 2020 election was stolen. Our people are fired up. Their people are not. All of this is a game to try to juice their own turnout. But the numbers are very clear. Voters overwhelmingly by 22 percent want the candidate that's going to support bringing down the cost of living. The least likely voter to go vote is a young voter. The most likely voter to go vote is a voter who knows that the 2020 election was stolen. Now, that's an issue that has pulled well above 50 percent for well over a year. That single issue, knowing that the election was stolen in 2020, that is the number one issue to drive turnout. You are definitely going to go vote against the Democrats if you are aware that the 2020 election is stolen. That's a whole lot of voters. And you heard him say they're pushing this abortion issue because they are importing the idea that young voters support 
Roe versus Wade, that they support abortion on demand up to the moment of birth. It's all about a woman's right to choose. But it turns out young voters don't actually support that all that much either. And young voters are not getting the life they were promised by the Democrats and by their culture, the least likely people to go vote. And this is just a tangent, not a big one. But think about what they mean when they're talking about young voters and what signals a young voter to them. Well, the obvious indicator, of course, is age, but that's not the only way they frame that. They talk about new voters, first time voters, voters who just registered. Well, those are much broader categories by which we import our own meaning Oh, they're talking about young people, people in college, maybe young adults who are just engaged in the political process for the first time. Well, I wonder how many of them happen to be illegal aliens who are newly registered voters, first time voters, new voters. So the Democrats campaign is essentially nothing more than an information operation to deceive the public into believing that the Democrats and their positions still represent a majority of this country and that they have some chance, some outside possibility that the Democrats could actually hold on to the House, hold on to the Senate, and that people really do love and support Joe Biden. It's all falling apart. It's only narrative. It's only an info operation. It's not real. And let's get just a bit more from Degrassi here. He, by the way, works for Elise Stefanik. Inflation Reduction Act. This is a New York Times Siena College poll. The way this usually works is when you first pass these big spending bills, you usually will hit a peak because you're getting the headlines, who this person's getting money, this person's getting handout. And that's usually the high about when you poll on public opinion on certain legislation especially when the money's going out, what people are realizing right now is they're not getting the money. The inflation is going up. Nothing is going down. Costs are still up. The spin's not working. You know, we have just begun to open fire on this bill. If you look at the ads I sent this morning, Steve, it's all about the Democrats' own actions. It's all about their votes and their, you know, they've been pushing the Biden agenda 100%. You don't have any um, moderate Democrats. It just doesn't exist. We're using their own words, their own actions and prosecuting the case. And it's really sitting well with voters that are sort of just starting to pay attention. That's why we wanted to wait. They needed August to try to change the trajectory so that they can go into September on different footing. They didn't, it didn't happen. And we were able to hold our fire, start spending now when voters are paying attention or, you know, volunteers are on the ground. We feel very good, but it is going to take an execution. We need poll watchers. We need everyone to step up, give what you can. Small dollars are the most important to fuel some of our strong grassroots campaigns that are mostly running in areas that Biden won by about 10 percent. Again, our, our average of those 74 target districts that Biden won in 2020 is 6%. Some of them going as deep as Biden plus 17, where we're essentially tied or starting to pull ahead in some of these tight races, whether it's in Oregon, Wisconsin. Go ahead, Steve. So we have the Kahaley clip supporting the idea that some of the most committed Trump supporters are simply not answering any polls, not even polls that they know and trust on the right. He also went on to mention in that interview with Lou Dobbs that the media has been putting out their polling, which show wide Democrat gaps 
then Trafalgar or another polling outlet on the right will put out their information showing it at three or four or five percent. And the mainstream poll will begin shifting back to catch up with that poll because they've immediately been outed as not legitimate. No one is believing the mainstream polls. So the mainstream polls try to bring things back toward the middle so that they can look like they're not doing the thing they're doing. But we've got the shy Trump voter, the silent Trump voter, ooh, the silent majority, perhaps. We've got the complete collapse of the abortion is driving turnout narrative. That's simply not true. And we can see that the narrative about how Biden has this major string of legislative victories, he has all this momentum. Democrat voters are getting excited that Joe Biden is getting his agenda through. Well, that's not true either. And that's in a mainstream poll. That's the New York Times Siena poll. If Robert Cahaley believes he's having a hard time properly representing the size of the MAGA vote, imagine how that's going for the mainstream and imagine what that must mean the numbers really are so much worse than the mainstream media can possibly allow. And Trump is letting go some bombs on Truth Social today, backing up what I'm saying as well. He posted a poll from Emerson, a thousand likely voters from September 15th to 18th. And this is on a hypothetical 2024 matchup between Donald Trump and Joe Biden in Kansas. Trump, 52 percent, Biden, 36 percent. Well, hey, where is that other 12 percent? Are those silent Trump voters who are saying they're undecided or are they really Kansans who can't tell the difference between Donald Trump and Joe Biden? And if Trump is up 16 points on Biden, what are the chances that Kansas's recent election with that ballot measure allowing abortion in Kansas was not influenced not only by the complete and total muddling of the language so voters could not know what they were actually voting for by reading it, but also by election fraud. There's no way that abortion overwhelmingly wins in Kansas, and yet Donald Trump also has massive leads there over Joe Biden. Those two things don't exist in the same real world. He posted that in the same Emerson poll, he was up by 5, 47, 42 in North Carolina. North Carolina is a state that the Democrats tried really hard to steal in 2020. They made it take days, if not weeks, I cannot recall right off the top of my head to actually get a final vote there, even though everybody knew Donald Trump had won. But he's up five there, which is an extension of that reported win, an extension of his lead over what we were told 2020 looked like. So that's going in his direction. Only 42% there for Biden. You got to assume that's his high water mark potential in North Carolina. And then Donald Trump also posted an article from Breitbart with a survey from Trafalgar that says 68% of Americans felt safer two years ago with Trump in office. 68% of Americans felt safer two years ago with Trump in office. 
And as you heard Kahaley say, they're having a hard time reaching committed Trump voters who simply do not want to answer polls. So that number is probably higher as well. Are people really going to go out and vote for a party that has through their own actions that they support in public as part of their agenda made the country feel less safe? There's just no way that's happening. Now, you might remember a few weeks ago, I had the pollster and political analyst Richard Barris on the podcast. Go back and check it out if you missed it. But he was on war room today as well. Take that Senate seat. We're going to take the governorship and we're going yeah, to win can a couple I, of can House I, seats. And, can uh, I address go that ahead, sir. real quick? With, yes, sir. Can I address Please. that with the white vote? That was yes. another one of the knocks that we got. Why is the white vote so close? Guess what? Data for progress, insider advantage, the rest of them found the same thing. And this is why I think there are three reasons. One, there are still a ton who are undecided. That's number one. Number two, they are more educated and will continue to be, which is going to be harder for Republicans in the future. Yeah. But it is overwhelmingly Republican, that white vote. What is happening is that they've been half the country has been labeled domestic terrorists. We can't get Republicans to take polls at the rates. And they were, oh, it was already a problem. I think what's happening is that those people are simply not talking to pollsters and you're just going to see it on election day, Steve. So Barris also mentions that there's a large segment of the Trump voting population who is simply unreachable for pollsters, including Barris, including Kahaley. But they're there and they're going to be a deciding force in the midterms this fall. He's also talking about the educated vote there. And that always means college educated. And up until a few years ago, that used to seem like a proxy for this is what the smart people want. Well, that's gone away, too, because now we can see what a college education these days really is. It's essentially a high level indoctrination into the false reality. It's very, very difficult after being college educated to leave that false reality because you're taught to think in a certain way, to perceive the world in a certain way, to acquire certain standards of evidence while denying all other forms of evidence. You have to have data. You have to have theory supported by academia. And even the data has to be derived in ways that the academy will teach. You're only allowed to access certain types of information. And that's how the informational bubble begins to assert itself, even outside of the social media sphere, the cultural sphere, the entertainment, our mainstream media. But there's another interesting aspect of this that Bannon and Barris and some others have been discussing over the last few days. There was an article out of Nevada talking about how the Republican Party has basically bet on middle class Hispanics, black voters, middle class white voters, basically working people in America and people with conservative values, people with Christian values. That's now the Republican coalition. And that Democrats essentially placed all their chips on college educated, mostly white women. This is a party of, by and for college educated women, which is to say it's a party of, by and for the Karens. And that is where the Democrat Communist Party directs 
all of its resources, all of its narrative strength. It's to convincing those people that they are really by doing virtually nothing besides being angry on social media and being loud about how everybody knows that they have it right. They're actually saving the world. They're taking the world into a brighter tomorrow. They're eliminating racism and sexism and transphobia and homophobia and Islamophobia and all of it. They're everyone's saviors by continuing to support that agenda. But even the number of college educated white women who still believe that stuff is shrinking. And again, this is one of the problems of staying inside that informational bubble on Twitter. These are the views that are magnified on there. And so everyone on there believes that these views are so much more widely held than they actually are. Their positions represent a minute portion of the country, and that portion of the country is very influential in certain spheres. But it's not influential at all on everybody else. They are essentially now a party of only elites, clueless, detached elites, people on welfare or other state sponsored programs, people on Social Security and people who watch way too much TV. They don't have any other base. There are no moderate Democrats. They don't have the middle. They don't have independents. And they don't have Republicans. Where is their big vote going to come from? And you guys might think, why does he spend so much time on this? Why is it so important to convince us that these polls are wrong and that we should expect an enormous victory? Well, the first reason is that I believe it and I don't want anyone falling into the trap of believing the television for no reason when you know that television news is designed to convince you of all the wrong things and that one of the ways they do that is by sponsoring polls that make it seem like there's hard data supporting all the wrong things they would like you to believe. That's one of the reasons. But the other reason is so that you can react to the people in your life when they get worried about this stuff. And one of the most effective ways to do that and one of the most effective ways to blunt whatever momentum they have on their side when they're coming at you like, oh, no, the Democrats actually are staging a huge comeback. They're up in races all across the country in all the big races. Kevin Fetterman, Josh Shapiro, Gretchen Whitmer, Katie Hobbs, Stacey Abrams, all of them are huge players in the Democrat Communist Party, and they are actually winning all their races. Or they're spinning their narratives about Biden and his string of legislative victories, or they're telling you that inflation is actually scaling back. It's not the problem you think it is. And gas prices have dropped and the borders actually secure and Ukraine has a chance of defeating Russia. Well, when they're doing this, say you don't actually believe that, do you? And they'll look at you stunned at first because these are all things that to them Everybody knows. Everybody knows that Ukraine will eventually beat Russia. Everybody knows that the border, that whole problem is totally overblown. And the only people who are 
saying those other narratives, well, they're racists. The inflation actually is coming down and everything's okay. And they'll say, well, you're getting by just fine, even if you're not. They'll believe that even if the Inflation Reduction Act doesn't reduce inflation, it at least helps the environment. And that's something that everybody knows is important. We have a climate crisis. It's existential. And so how do they take it when you say you don't actually believe that, do you? Well, they think first, what do you mean? Everybody believes that. But what you've really done is make them feel stupid about something you can be certain they don't know anything about. And they don't know anything about any of these issues. They know the slogans that they are told on the television or on their little apps. They know all the things they're supposed to say. They just don't know why they're saying any of them. They assume that someone better than them has already checked to make sure all these things are right somehow and that they can, you know, trace the path back and figure out exactly why these people are right and certainly why you're wrong because, you know, they have the majority. Everybody knows that the things they say just are true. There's no way they could say false things because if all these things were false, they wouldn't be allowed to keep saying them on television. <laughs> television is the ultimate judge of whether something is true or false. If it's said on television, it must be true somehow, or they wouldn't be allowed to say it. No, they would be way too embarrassed to ever say a bunch of wrong things on television. And so where will they turn immediately? They'll immediately call you a conspiracy theorist or a QAnon or a Trump supporter. And you may be all of those things. But the important thing is, on any topic they wish to discuss, you're the one who's right and knows it, and they're the one who repeats the slogans and has no idea why. And we're talking about people whose greatest fear is public embarrassment. They don't want everybody to know that they're stupid or that they're uninformed about something that they believe is really important, and they're told to think that some important issues really are important. Of course, they believe that climate change is really important and it obviously is not. They believed that COVID was very, very deadly and obviously it's not. The vaccines are very safe and effective. Obviously they're not. But they at least understand that those are important issues and that you have to have some position on them. So they've accepted the position they were told to accept, and now they feel very strongly about that position because they know that the underlying issue is important. It's not something that they would want to be wrong about, particularly not in public. And by public, I mean, of course, in person-to-person -person situations, but also online where they scream out their positions all day long and have for years, and they have been extremely condescending, extremely rude, and extremely mean to the people who disagree with them. They know what they have invested in all of these false narratives, and there's no way that they can deal with being wrong. And so when you ask them in that way, when you say, you don't really believe that, do you? They'll immediately feel all the weight of their belief on their shoulders. And they'll immediately be worried that they might have to support that belief with the information underlying that belief. And they don't have that. It's not there. 
They've been trained to bring every issue back into one of identity. If you don't agree with them, you must be racist or a science denier or a QAnon. And you can use, you don't really believe that, do you? On those claims too, because they don't really believe those things either. They just know those are the things they're supposed to say when they feel like this. They will not support anything they're saying virtually at all. Some of the real well-trained communists might have some of the narratives that underlie the narratives they're telling you, and they might be able to go through those, but they can never get to the bottom and they can never tell you why it's important or why their position is moral. And the thing you have to understand is that this isn't necessarily a way of winning the argument with them, although it could be. Winning the argument is not important. Making sure that they know that the things they believe everybody knows simply aren't true. And it's not everybody knows. It's not everybody agrees with them. And this sort of thing is particularly important when it comes to this narrative about how the Democrats will perform in the midterms. Now, I obviously cannot be certain about how these races will go everywhere around the country. But I'm pretty certain that the Democrats will try to steal elections and may well steal them in places all across the country. And at that point, we can't simply be satisfied with saying, oh, the Republicans took back the House. Oh, the Republicans got a two seat advantage in the Senate. And that's good enough. So now we'll all just shut up, assume that the elections are just fine and we'll go away. We'll go back to our normal lives. No. We need to understand that we have the winning hand and we need to play that hand all the way out and get absolutely everything out of it. Republicans gained 15 House seats in 2020. You know, that race that Donald Trump definitely lost by six or seven million votes in the popular vote. Republicans still gained 15 seats in the House. What do you think is going to happen this time around? Part of taking away their response, and they will have a response to Republican victories in the midterms, but part of taking away whatever momentum they might be able to drum up to have some sort of riots or protests or support for the idea that the Democrats did not just try to engage in widespread, overwhelming election fraud. All of that can be blunted by your understanding that it's not going to happen and your communication to them that they have absolutely no reason to believe it even might. They are headed for an historic wipeout. And they need to know that because we're going to have to continue arguing that even after the election, it doesn't matter what the results are. There's still going to be attempts at election fraud, and those need to become major public news. Their side will have no way to respond to that if none of them actually believe the media narrative by the time the elections roll around. And this isn't some trick. This is reality. You need to wake these people up to reality. You don't need to convince them you're right. You don't need to make them MAGA in the next six weeks. 
but you do need to reinforce that understanding that dwells in them somewhere deep down that they really are not the majority and that they are being lied to. And many of these people, by the way, have woken up and realized they're being lied to. But these people aren't used to having their opinions dismissed. They believe everybody agrees with them. They believe the experts agree with them. They believe their positions are unassailable, even though they don't know the content of their own beliefs. And you can immediately remove their confidence and their ability to push all of these slogans, all of this false reality nonsense by simply saying, you don't really believe that, do you? Now, I just mentioned the climate change farce a couple of minutes ago. There was a hearing in the House two days ago, and it was a bunch of the heads of the major U.S. banks. And there's an exchange between Rashida Tlaib and Jamie Dimon from J.P. Morgan Chase that I absolutely have to share, and I think you'll see why. You have all committed, as you all know, uh, to transition the emissions from lending and investment activities to align with pathways to net zero in 2050. Do you know uh, what the International Energy Energy um, Agency has said is required to meet our global 2050 net zero targets of limiting global temperature rise to 2.7 degrees Fahrenheit or 1.5 degrees Celsius? So no new fossil fuel production starting today. That's So that's like zero. Well, I would like to ask all of you and go down the list, because again, you all have agreed to doing this. Please answer with a simple yes or no. Does your bank have a policy against funding new oil and gas products? Mr. Diamond. Absolutely not. And that would be the road to hell for America. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine, sir. You know what? Everybody that got relief from student loans has a bank account with your bank should probably take out their account and close their account. The fact that you're not even there to help relieve many of the folks that are in debt, extreme debt because of student loan debt, and you're out there criticizing it. So Talib or Tlaib or however you say her name, the communist moron who's part of the squad, she wants to put all of the bankers on record agreeing to fulfill their ESG standard promises as she frames them and eliminate all of the investments flowing from their bank that go into the production of fossil fuels. They don't want any of the banks supporting fossil fuels anymore. It doesn't matter that our entire world runs on fossil fuels. It doesn't matter that green energy sources not only cannot fulfill the needs of energy in this country, but that they are also inconsistent and themselves polluters. None of that matters. The economic impacts don't matter, not for the citizens of our country and certainly not for the banks. All that matters is that they commit to the global communist agenda in public when called upon. And that's what this whole exercise is about. So Jamie Dimon says that would be the road to hell for America. And certainly that's correct. We have no choice but to continue with fossil fuels. It would be wonderful if all energy was perfectly clean throughout the entire world. But our energy is pretty clean, especially compared to our global competitor nations. 
We are actually imposing and enforcing rules on the people of this country that other countries don't have to abide by at all. So Diamond is, of course, correct, but he said the thing he's not supposed to say. And so squad member Rashida, she just can't have that. She's having her whole belief system, her whole political agenda shown up to her face in a congressional hearing. And she just can't stand for that. So immediately, what does she do? She gets upset and essentially threatens a bank. That is a government representative trying to materially harm a private business for not going along with the agenda and repeating the slogans when called upon. Now, I certainly have no love for J.P. Morgan Chase, but this is still preposterous. She doesn't have the power to actually make this happen, but she is still encouraging people with their college loans controlled by J.P. Morgan Chase to simply shift their loans out and somewhere else out of anger toward J.P. Morgan for not going along with the climate agenda as described by the global communists. And she actually did end up going down the row and none of them would commit to ceasing funding for fossil fuel industries. If it was any other country in the world at any other time in history, we would see this for what it is and call it what it is. It's communism. It's fascism. This is the government exerting influence on corporations, making the corporation align with the regime's agenda or facing the threat of destruction from the people within the regime. Now, again, she doesn't have the power to actually do this, and that's a good thing, but she wants it and she expects it. Now, I want to be sure to address the Russia-Ukraine situation before this week is out. And for some perspective on what's happening there, this is bioclandestine on Substack on Wednesday. Putin's address approaching the precipice. Putin addressed Russia this morning in a pre-recorded speech pertaining to the ongoing special military operation in Ukraine. The mainstream media headlines focus on partial mobilization for Russian reserve military specialists and Putin's threats to use all weapon systems available, which would include nuclear weapons of mass destruction. But there is so much more given to us in this speech, huge points that mainstream media pundits are overlooking. And he links to the translated transcript of the speech and references it throughout this piece. This is from Putin. The subject of this address is the situation in Donbass and the course of the special military operation to liberate it from the neo-Nazi regime, which seized power in Ukraine in 2014 as the result of an armed state coup. Now, it's important to understand that the U.S. initiated that coup. We're talking about Joe Biden's associate, Victoria Newland, the woman who a few months ago admitted to the presence of DOD funded biolabs in Ukraine that study dangerous pathogens. But don't worry, they're only studying how to prevent these dangerous pathogens from ever getting out. Putin doesn't beat around the bush. He comes out firing against the neo-Nazi regime and the violent coup started in 2014 a coup that was facilitated by Obama and then Vice President Biden at the time. This is why Biden continues to send hundreds of billions of dollars to Ukraine. They are protecting their deep state proxy. And certainly we've been through that many times. 
This is why you see China and Russia in the news making joint statements about preventing Western color revolutions. Russia are fighting back against the U.S. proxy in Ukraine, and now China is looking to remove U.S. influence in Taiwan. The East are standing up to the West. However, you will notice through the speech, Putin carefully articulates that these actions were not carried out by any nations or the people, but by, quote, the aggressive policy of some Western elites. Putin and Russia have made a conscious effort since the beginning to direct their allegations and displeasure with the Western elites, not the U.S. as a whole. Russia have repeatedly alleged that the U.S. Democratic Party, along with the help of George Soros and other non-government entities, have been laundering U.S. DOD funds into Ukraine to build an unofficial deep state proxy outside the scope of U.S. congressional oversight. And it's worth pulling up this article because there's a pretty impressive org chart here that kind of shows all the players and how they interconnect in this scheme. And of course, you've got Biden, Obama, Hillary Clinton, and George Soros right at the top of all that. And that, my friends, is not a conspiracy. It's a system. You can see the system. You can see the structure of the system. You know what the system is intended to do. And now Russia knows all that, too, and is happy to share it with the world. Putin goes on to say, the goal of that part of the West is to weaken, divide, and ultimately destroy our country. And that's certainly true. American officials within the evil twin faction within the fake administration have said exactly that, including Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin. You'll notice there's a distinction between the goals of the people and the goals of the Western elites, specifically the DNC. You'll also notice Putin has never said a negative thing about Trump throughout this entire situation. Putin has clearly taken sides with Trump and opposing that part of the West, i.e. the deep state. Putin goes on to address the horrific realities caused by the Western elites, using their influence to intentionally sow discord and chaos in the region since 2014, turning the Ukrainian people into cannon fodder and using military force on civilians and organized genocide. This is from Putin. They turned the Ukrainian people into cannon fodder and pushed them into a war with Russia, which they unleashed back in 2014. They used the army against civilians and organized a genocide, blockade and terror against those who refused to recognize the government that was created in Ukraine as the result of a state coup. All of the strife, death, poverty, drug trafficking, human trafficking, civil war, etc. in Ukraine has been a result of unnecessary U.S. involvement in Ukraine. Putin is 100% correct here, and this disturbing reality is ignored by the Western media. Putin clarifies that the reason for the special military operation was a preemptive measure, as the West and NATO were looking to bring nuclear weapons into Ukraine, in addition to the weapons and activity already going on in the Ukraine biolab network. Putin goes on to address the methodical pace of the military operation, clarifying that they are operating with intention to preserve human lives and liberate the formerly Russian Donbass from the cruel neo-Nazi regime. This puts several dents into the Western media narratives that Putin and Russia were mindlessly killing civilians. Now the media claim the slow pace of Russia means that Ukraine are winning. This is folly. Russia recognizes civilians on the battlefield and are acting under the appropriate rules of engagement. 
The MSM and big tech are desperate to make sure you do not know this. Putin goes on to clarify that they are not only fighting Ukraine, but the entire military machine of the collective West. And again, that's true. They are fighting not the Ukrainian army, but some Ukrainian battalions, neo-Nazi battalions and military contractors, private armies of the West. Those operators are all in there. And they're not fighting under the flags of their countries. The corrupt leaders of the West have said over and over again that their countries are not going to put, quote unquote, boots on the ground. So all of this money, all of these arms, they are in there to support a mythical Ukrainian army that for all intents and purposes does not exist. The Russian forces have been decimating whatever Ukrainian army existed at the beginning. And you'll remember at the beginning that the comedic actor was supposedly running around Kiev, handing out weapons to civilians. That was seven months ago. Their only claim to any success whatsoever is that Kiev was never taken, even though Putin didn't try to take Kiev. And that now they're winning back all this territory. Russia is retreating. They took back 2,000 square kilometers, I believe. It might be square miles, but I think it's square kilometers. That's 40 by 50. That's the size of a county in Texas. But it's actually far worse than that. And we'll get to some of that in just a minute. But back to bioclandestine. NATO and the U.S. are pumping Ukraine with weapons and supplying training to Ukrainian soldiers, using the blood of the Ukrainian people as their pawns of war. This is not a war between Russia and Ukraine. This is a proxy economic war between the East and West. This is World War Three and World War Three wouldn't be complete without nuclear weapons, right? Putin covered that base as well. After calling out the West for shelling the Zaporozhia nuclear power plant, and looking to cause a nuclear catastrophe, Putin declares he is ready to take on the threat of the West by whatever means necessary. He says, I would like to remind those who make such statements regarding Russia that our country has different types of weapons as well, and some of them are more modern than the weapons NATO countries have. In the event of a threat to the territorial integrity of our country and to defend Russia and our people, we will certainly make use of all weapon systems available to us. This is not a bluff. The citizens of Russia can rest assured that the territorial integrity of our motherland, our independence and freedom will be defended. I repeat by all the systems available to us. Those who are using nuclear blackmail against us should know that the wind rose can turn around. You heard Putin, right? claiming Russia have advanced nuclear weaponry that we don't know about, and he is prepared to use all weapon systems available to him. So whether you support Russia, Ukraine, or your head is firmly planted in the sand, this situation should have every single person's attention on the planet. Now, after analyzing the contents of the speech, look at it from 40,000 feet. We are six weeks out from the midterms. All of Trump's narratives have been proven true. Biden and the deep state have run the country into the ground. The normies are waking up en masse. Deep state crimes being exposed and prosecuted as we speak. And now it appears that the world is on the brink of nuclear fallout. If there was to be a precipice, 
Surely this is it. Now, there was some further analysis put out by the Robin Minotti and Dr. Mike Yeadon Telegram channel, and I don't expect that they are Russia-Ukraine experts necessarily, but this is very sound analysis. If Zelensky accepted the Minsk II agreements, Crimea would have remained Russian. Donetsk and Lugansk would have been autonomous states within Ukraine, and Zaporozhye and Kherson would have remained in Ukraine. So basically, if Ukraine and the West had accepted the situation as it is, that Crimea is now simply part of Russia, and they cannot pretend that Crimea is some sort of Ukrainian state that they can influence. If they had left Donetsk and Lugansk as independent republics as they chose to be, none of this would have happened, and they would still have Zaporozhye and Kherson. By not accepting the Minsk II peace agreements, Zelensky has not only lost Donetsk and Lugansk, but two more regions of Ukraine, Zaporozhye and Kherson, which look as though they will be integrated into the Russian Federation in a week or so. It doesn't take a military genius to understand that if Ukraine has not regained these territories with its full army, Russia adding 300,000 soldiers means they never will. Zelensky's warmongering has therefore lost two plus two extra territories, while a negotiated peace would have reintegrated two autonomous states back within Ukraine by conceding Crimea. But that's not what they chose, and that's not what's happening. Right now, there are referendums going on in Donetsk, Lugansk, Zaporozhye, and Kherson, all of them voting to join the Russian Federation. These are the people on the ground doing that. This is not a war that somehow comes to some sort of peace treaty and they just divide up the land however the two powers see fit. This is the people leaving and they're leaving with Russian protection while Russia is there on the ground and decimating whatever army Ukraine and its Western quote unquote allies have been able to raise up. And so Zelensky could have followed Minsk, too. There was a peaceful way to have resolved this situation. And that's why Donald Trump says this never would have happened if he was president, because Donald Trump would have never done the things that the fake administration and the global communists did to initiate this conflict. No matter how many times they say Putin invaded, this was a war of choice and unprecedented aggression. None of that is true. They knew what would happen if they proceeded along the path on which they were proceeding and they continued to proceed anyway. This is the response. This is the result. Putin stated his goals initially. Crimea was part of Russia. Donetsk and Lugansk would be independent republics. And he wanted to demilitarize and denazify Ukraine. For the entire time, he said those were his goals and that those goals would be achieved, and he has achieved them. But he's actually gone past that, and now there are two other regions that are about to vote to become part of the Russian Federation. And in the face of all that, Western global propaganda media is still continuing to attempt to convince people that Ukraine might win because Volodymyr Zelensky is such a loyal Ukrainian. 
and such a skillful military leader, surely their victory is just around the corner. Except it's not. And they're having these referendums right now. Today through the 27th of September, people in these regions will be voting to rejoin Russia. And with that comes a giant portion of Ukraine's population, their economic output, and their natural resources. All of those will now be Russia's. There is no chance that this ends up any other way, which is why the West and the global communists are contemplating a nuclear escalation because there are no other game changers available to them. They also falsely believe that this will have the effect of convincing American voters to continue to support the regime, believing that somehow they're doing so is for the good of the brave Ukrainian people. Now, there's a video I posted on Telegram in the info stream today, t.me slash I'm your moderator. And in that video, a woman in Lugansk is filling out her ballot and choosing to rejoin Russia. And again, the people in these regions are ethnic Russians. They speak Russian. They have been the victims of an ethnic civil war since 2014. Of course, they want to join Russia. And so she puts her vote in and then she begins ripping up her Ukrainian passport and then burns it because she doesn't want a Ukrainian passport. She wants a Russian passport. And that might seem insignificant, but think about it from her perspective, her people and her homeland have been continuously attacked by neo-Nazis in Ukraine since 2014. Russia is literally there liberating these people. And think about how that must feel. Think about how that must feel knowing that the 2020 election was stolen, that our votes simply did not count. Think about what it would feel like to know that we had free and fair elections in America that we could actually trust. And that's really where we're headed. We are being liberated from the global communist stranglehold that has had our country in its grasp for decades and decades. Eight years ago, the global communists overthrew the government in Ukraine and placed a puppet there. And now the people of Ukraine, at least the people along the eastern border with Russia, are being liberated from that. It's the same playbook all across the world playing out on different timelines and with variations in events. Hopefully we do not see a kinetic war here in the United States of America. But around the world, people are rising up. Just the weekend before last, we had the results out of Sweden where the sovereigntists and nationalists have formed a coalition that will now control the Swedish government. In Italy, we're about to see the same thing this Sunday with Georgia Maloney looking like she's in position to win in spectacular fashion. And we'll be seeing the same soon in Brazil. This is an irreversible trend playing out all across the world. And it's going to play out here as well in the midterms. And when you can see the big picture 
and you know all of this, what sense does it make for someone to say, oh, you know, that abortion issue is really going to help the Democrats? How do you respond? You don't really believe that, do you? I'll be back on Monday at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic. And Joe Biden will never be president. In my mind, that's the end game. If you're listening to this episode for free, you can support me and support the show and the work I do by signing up for a paid subscription at I'mYourModerator.Substack.com. You can do so for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month. Comes out to under a quarter per episode and you'll blast right through the paywall for all of the writing. The merch store is www.cancelcouture.com and you can find everything else by heading to Linktree. Linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. And I'll see you soon out on the range. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. 
The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!